We're going to hit play here on a, in a minute, and y'all need to be praying that it worked because we've had some problems. Uh, I asked Nick to speak because of what I just prayed about. Uh, our church spends an awful lot of time teaching people, raising people up, and you go through this natural process as you come to us. Most of you have been in a place where you realize maybe you didn't know as much about Jesus as you thought you did when you got here. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah. And then after a while you hear things like, hey, man, you're not ready. Back off. Learn something. You need to teach before you, or you need to be taught before you can teach. Well, at some point, students begin to stretch out and become teachers. That happens. I believe Nick has a word from God. He shared parts of it with me, not all of it, but it was a blessing. I pray that you give him more grace than you give me on Sundays and that you listen to what he has to say. We're not saying that Nick is perfect. His wife's perfect. He's not perfect. <laughs> Little Lily is perfect beyond question, and the baby to come will be. But what he is is madly in love with Jesus, fighting the good fight, walking the walk of faith. And uh, you would be... Uh, foolish to dismiss what he has to say, even if you hear him misquote something, which he won't do because he's smarter than all of us. You want me to see if I can play this? You guys are invited to our house afterwards if you want to watch the DVD. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I wanted to talk with you guys about tonight uh, was what the Lord has called us to be. Um, what he's anointed us for, and then what we're supposed to do that with, with that. Okay. For instance, someone might be called a quarterback when they're a little kid, and then they might realize that they have the strength to do it, but until they get on the field, they're not doing anything with it. So we can know who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. We can know that we have the power and the gift to do it, but until we get out on the field and use it, we're not doing anything with it. So we'll walk step by step through that. We'll learn who God says that we are. We'll learn what he's given us to be able to do what he said we should do and then how we're supposed to use it. So um, some cool things about uh, what the video was going to show um, is just how important it is for us to realize that this world is bigger than just us, that it's not just about the, not saying that we have small lives, but it's not about the lives that we live as far as they're concerned with going home eating breakfast, getting up, going to work, meeting with whoever it is that you meet at work, and then going home, maybe coming to church, uh, to think more on a global scale. And um, me and Eric were talking beforehand um, about how we can organize this message because I feel like the Lord was just putting a whole bunch of stuff in my mind. And just like I pack my clothes for a trip, I spread everything out on the floor and then take what I need and then throw everything else in the closet. So um, hopefully what you got here is a good suitcase with everything we need in it. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 5. Let me know when you're there. And if you're using a computer, you get an automatic 10-second delay. Uh, Matthew 5, and we're going to start in verse 14. Okay, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Um, what I want to talk to you guys about tonight, 
after reading that, after after reading about us being a light to the world in a city on a hill, I want to start off by letting you guys know we're not going to be addressing good things and bad things. This is not good lifestyle and bad lifestyle. You're doing bad, this is what's good. That's not what we're going to be addressing tonight. What we're going to be addressing is something that Peter refers to as abounding in godly knowledge and doing things in increasing measure for his kingdom. So turn with me to Second Peter one eight, and I'll show you what I mean. This is really good, and it's going to shed a lot of light on the intention behind the message. Okay, here we go. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me read that verse before that, those two verses before that, starting in 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Once again, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so being ineffective and unproductive is not what we want to be. We want to possess these things in increasing measure. So let's learn a little bit about what God says that we are, okay? We've already seen that God looks at us and wants us to be a city on a hill, not something that's hidden, not something that has taken what he's put inside of us and said, yeah, I know what God's got for me, but that's a little scary, and you know, I don't know if I want to put myself out there. I could be rejected, embarrassed, whatever. So I'm just going to you know, go about my life. I'm going to do what I have to do, and that's it. don't want to mess with anybody. just want to live a quiet life, which, don't get me wrong, I talked about that in the Scripture, living a quiet life. But I'm talking about being a recluse and not letting yourself be seen to the world, not sharing the gift that God has put inside of you with the rest of the world. Okay? So if God has put that inside of us so that we can possess Him in increasing measures so that people can see who God is through us, so that they can see the light that He's put inside of us, then how do we know that we're deserving of that? How do we know that we deserve to be put up on a hill, that we deserve to be displayed. We need to know what the Bible says about us. We need to know what God says is who we are. Okay? So we've got some good verses um, on this, and some of this I think will, will really encourage you. Turn to John 14 with me. We're going to be flipping, so exercise your hands. <laughs> this next verse is so cool. When I read it, I began to think about the different places that we can go. Dr. Seuss once put it, oh, the places you will go. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about that whenever I read this. Check out verse 12. Okay, This is when the, you read up, up top, Jesus is comforting his disciples, and he's telling about how he's the way to the Father. But, but check out the kind of gifts that he's given us. In verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Uh, those of you who have been coming to Foundations, uh, we just read John 14 a couple weeks ago. And um, what I started to think about when I read this verse, and I talked with Eric a little bit about it, was don't you guys remember when you read about things in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament about people being healed and miracles being done and, you know, the eyes of the blind being opened, the lame being healed, the deaf hearing, people with demons, the demons being cast out of them, them being raised from the dead. I mean, 
anything that you can imagine, it was done, and it was done for the glory of God. It was done through a miracle. And um, now it seems like those miracles are fewer and further between. I know that you guys remember when Michelle was healed of cancer. That was like someone being raised from the dead in my eyes. Though her life was still in her, it was reported by the doctors that it would be taken away from her. But God gave it back to her. And that's really cool. That's a miracle to me. And um, I believe that because of what God's put in us, because of verses like, you are a city on a hill, a light that I want to be seen everywhere, I started to think once I read verses like this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. How in the world could Jesus say that we're going to do the things that he's been doing and even greater things than these if we say, well, you know, the miracles, that was back for a time because, you know, now they happen every once in a while, but that's just not our life anymore. We, we don't live like that anymore. You know, we have our normal lives and God moves through other ways. And I started to think, but man, that kind of stinks. It kind of stinks that those miracles aren't a part of our life anymore, that you know, we look to things like that, and glory to God, when things like that happen, being healed of cancer, that's huge. But I'm saying, what about this kind of lifestyle where every single, you know, chapter that you read, they're doing crazy things for the Lord? And it's not to say that, you know, I know they weren't happening necessarily every single day, but John does say, I suppose that if all the things that Jesus did were to be put in books, there wouldn't be enough space in the library to contain them in the entire world. And when you say stuff like that, it's, it's like, well, in three years of ministry, if he did more than what could be contained in all the books in the world, even if he's exaggerating a little bit, that seems like more than maybe once a year. You know what I mean? So, no. So, so this is this is so cool though. This is this is this is how God is, you know. And I, I think I'm I'm starting to with the message, but it's okay because I'm feeling good about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I started to think. Okay. So what? What are we doing wrong? And God corrected me right there. That's why I said it's not good versus bad, okay? It's that he wants us to possess certain qualities in increasing measure, okay? So if I'm starting to think about miracles and I think, well, we must be doing something wrong, that's not necessarily the right frame of thought, okay? If we begin to think, okay, it's not that we're doing something wrong, but maybe we can possess something in increasing measure, and when we do that, we'll begin to see more things, okay? Me and Eric were talking about working out, and I know... People make fun of me all the time for my analogies, but I think this is a good one, okay? When you're working out, when you're doing different exercises to work a certain muscle, okay, you're working out. So you're being more healthy than you would be not working out. And I'm not speaking from experience, but I've heard that this is how it goes. But uh, when you're working out a certain muscle, you get to a certain uh, plateau, okay, and you got to try a new exercise, or you got to implement other exercises, okay? I believe that what the Lord is wanting to say through this verse is that we're working out as a church. The things that we're doing is good. We're making moves in directions of servanthood. People are learning more about the Word than I ever thought possible. I had no idea that there was so much knowledge to be gleaned from the Word. And it's, it's changed my life, and it's changed my wife's life too. And um, it's been so cool. And what I see is that God is bringing this to my attention about the miracles, okay, about living a certain way, expecting certain things, okay? And it's not that this was a lifestyle back then. It's that what we're doing is good. God's got even more for us. And this is for me, too. You know, I want to pos- I want to do these kind of things, you know, not for my own glory, but because I want to see these kind of people who are held back by these kind of things. 
when you see someone in a wheelchair and they're moving along, you love them, but there's something in your heart that goes, man, I want to see that person walk. Or man, that'd be cool if they didn't have to worry about being blind anymore. Or if they could speak just like I can speak and they could hear and we wouldn't have to communicate through our hands. You know, there's something in you that says, man, I wish that that was restored. I wish that that wasn't the way that it is, you know. What, why is that in us if we can't do anything about it, okay? So these are more things about expectancy. And I want you guys, I want to drill it into us that God wants us to live with the sort of expectancy that he's given us the authority to do these kind of things. So look with me at Matthew 10.1. Okay, I promise we'll get to a point here if it doesn't look like we have one. Okay, check out 10.1. Okay, Jesus sends out the 12 is a little subtitle over this chapter. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. I want you to skip down seamlessly with me to verse 7, okay? As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received and freely give. Okay? Skip down to verse 19. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Okay, let's step back for a second and take a look at what we just read. We just read about Jesus giving his disciples the authority to go out, drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. Okay? And then he he tells us to go and preach the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. For us to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Leprosy also means various diseases affecting the skin. So let's not get caught up on the leprosy. Uh, but what's cool too is that even down here he goes and he begins to address what looks like to be consequences for living that certain type of lifestyle. Don't worry about what to say when they arrest you. At that time the, the Father will be speaking through you. Okay? So that, that's, that's so cool to be thinking about that kind of lifestyle because right now I get up in the morning, I go to State Farm not taking anything away from my job. I love my job. I come home, see my lovely wife and my lovely child. We usually come to do something for church or go to the prison, and that's great. I love my life. And I see this also as potentially a part of it that maybe can be so by taking what I'm doing now in increasing measure. Okay? So I'm looking at my lifestyle right now, and I begin to see, man, he's given me the authority, not them the authority way back then, but me the authority, okay, to heal every disease and sickness and to drive out evil spirits, to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those who have various types of skin diseases and drive out demons. Freely I've received, so freely I should give, okay? So check this out, Isaiah 42.7, just in case you think that I'm dependent on the New Testament, God uses the old too, the old earth. Isaiah 42.7. This is so good, and I, I, I hope that you guys are are feeling a little bit pumped, or get more and more pumped throughout the message. Okay. Isaiah 42, 7. Uh, Check this out in 6. I highlighted where it says, I have called you. I, the Lord, have called you. Go down to 7. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from dungeon those who sit in darkness. Okay, turn to Isaiah 61. Okay, let's look at the first verse, and I know that you guys know this, but just bear with me and, and let's read and, and get encouraged. 
61.1, the Spirit of the Sovereign... Read this with me. Let's read it out together. Ready? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's it. Stop right there. Um, this, is, this is good stuff because what I see in here is the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. This is not... The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was on just me. This is present tense. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is now, this is now happening, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Not has only anointed those who are called for a living to be preachers. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And anointed also means divinely enabled. Okay? Divine, divine. God enabled me to preach good news to the poor sending me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Uh, since about the end of January, I've been going to the prison and meeting with this guy named Joe. And uh, in March, Gabriel started going with me, and he's also meeting with a guy named Joe. Okay, His name is Joseph de los Reyes, which means of the kings. So I just think it's cool, the different relationships that we're building with these guys, and seeing how two guys who wear white uniforms who sleep in what they call houses that's no bigger than maybe this space right here. And that's where they live. Granted, yes, they did something to get there, okay? But sometimes I think the difference between prisoners and a lot of people is that prisoners get caught. You know what I mean? Like, how many things can you look back on and go, man, I'm glad the Lord gave me mercy through that one because I could be a lot worse off. (laughs) But see, what's cool is that you can't break these guys' hope because you can see it in their eyes. Obviously, they've still got a lot to learn. They've still got a lot to learn about who the Lord says they, they are because the world has spent a long time telling them who they are and they're having to unlearn it. The Spirit of God is having to testify to them that, no, 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 you're not, you're not an object of shame. You're not this dejected, rejected, thrown-out piece of trash that can't be used. You're anointed by me. You're a city on a hill that I want to shine my light to everybody, right through you. Not through Nick and Gabe who are coming to see you. They're shining to you, but I want you to possess that light. I want you to understand and possess these things in increasing measure so that we can go out and not just be a part of our everyday normal lives, which again, are not bad, okay? This is not about good and bad, okay? Our everyday normal lives, but possessing these things in increasing measure so that all of a sudden, these verses that we're reading about what God has said, yeah, you can do it because I've given you authority to do it. All of a sudden, those verses don't mean 2,000 years ago, this is how these people used to live. They used to raise the dead. They used to drive out demons. They used to do these things, okay? All of a sudden, it's, no, no, no. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is now on me, present tense, because He's anointed me to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted. These aren't just physical things. These are things that tear people from the day that they're born until the day that they die. Someone being brokenhearted. Someone not just being poor about money, but being poor in spirit. Feeling like everything has been taken away from them. Feeling thrown down in the dredges, okay? To proclaim freedom for the captives. These are people who are being held maybe against their will. Maybe they don't even know they're being held captive. But we were anointed to proclaim freedom to them. To say, no, no, no. You don't have to be behind those bars. You don't have to have those chains binding you and keeping you from moving and keeping you from understanding who God has called you to be. Those are broken right now in the name of Jesus. 
And then when we start to live like that and have that expectancy and to have that hope that God really is going to do what He said He's done by giving us that authority, and when we step out in faith, when we carry the umbrella, because we're believing that our prayer for rain is going to happen, believing that our prayers change the world and are not just some formality that we exercise before we go about our daily lives. But when we ask for anything in Jesus' name, He'll do it because He said He would. Not just because we're banking on that because that's been a, a big risk that we've been taking since He came to this earth. No, but because He told us. He said, you would do the, thing, the same things that I've done, but you'll do even greater things. And, and Peter says, and you should possess these things in increasing measure. So all of a sudden now, we have not the good life or the bad life, but we have the life that we're living now and the potential for more. Can we all agree that there is always a potential for more in Christ Jesus? That we can always move higher, do more things for Him. And not just busybody. I'm not talking about just being a busybody. Okay? I'm not just talking about going out there and everybody you see, oh, be healed, brother. Be healed, brother. In Jesus' name, get up. You know, and none of it happens and you think, well, I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. No. That's not the type of lifestyle that I'm talking about. Okay? I'm not talking about carrying your hanky and, and wearing your pristine white suit and going and doing everything that you can to be seen, okay? I'm talking about asking whatever we can in Jesus' name, knowing that He's anointed us to do certain things, okay? Knowing that He has laid certain things out for us to do in our lives. He's preordained specific tasks for us to do. And the point that we want to get across in this message, the point that we all want to understand is that we are capable of doing these things through the power of Christ that's inside of us. He didn't say that for no reason. It wasn't just a, hey guys, make a bumper sticker out of this and tell everybody, okay? Don't live by it. It's not true, but you can make some money off the bumper stickers. That's not, that's not why he told us those things, okay? So, check this out. We were talking beforehand, and you get to this place where you say, you know, okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying that I'm supposed to be a city on a hill. I'm supposed to be a light that shines out to people. I'm the salt of the earth. I get that, okay? But how do I know when I go out and we're in that moment of truth where I'm standing there and I've got people looking around me, I've got that expectancy from the onlookers, hey, they're about to go put themselves up in a position where they could be embarrassed, where their prayer to God might not work, and you're standing there and it seems like you're all alone, right? Well, we can rest in the fact that God has made us competent, okay? Turn to Second Corinthians. Where were we at in Second Corinthians there? Three five. Three five. Oh man, this is good. This is good because it's a logical flow of thought that you can see doesn't just come from man's twisting and manipulating of the scripture, but is consistent with the type of lifestyle that you've already come to know and love in Christ Jesus, okay? So check out, let's start actually at 4. Okay? <clears throat> Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Okay? How many times does he say that we're competent in a couple verses? Maybe three, three, four times in a couple verses. He reiterates the fact that he's made us competent. What does competent mean? I would say able to do something. 
Okay? We're competent. We are able to do something, not out of our own strength, but because God has given us that competence that makes us competent. Okay? So, so, so. Let's look at Matthew 9.37. This is something that the DVD was going to kind of point on that I just got really pumped by, but I have a feeling, I have a feeling, I was about to say, I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit can do a better job than a professional movie. Okay, Matthew 9.37. Okay, we're just, don't read 38 or 36. You just did, I know you did. But let's, let's 9.37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Okay. We have been praying for the neighborhood behind us, right? Those are people that we've specifically been praying for because we believe, and we got two guys, and Daniel, by the way, it means so much to me that you came tonight because I knew that it was possibly, possibly not, and it, it means a lot to me that you're here. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I really appreciate you being here. <laughs> um, we already see the first fruits, okay? These guys are the first fruits, and everyone can agree God gave us some pretty good first fruits. Um, I believe that that's a sign of what's to come. I believe that as we continue to do what's already been the heart's cry of this ministry, which is to perform out there what we practice in here, now it's not just going out and uh, backing someone into an elevator, as Eric so eloquently puts it so often. It's not just about backing someone into the elevator. Now, it's not about when you're in the elevator thinking, well, I shouldn't back them into the elevator and I shouldn't tell them about the Lord even if you feel the Spirit leading you to. Okay, that's not what it's about. Let's get out of that mindset and start thinking, okay, it is about being purposeful in my lifestyle. It is about when I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to do something, stepping out into that and not thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to do it this time because that person over there doesn't really like me. If I started to say it, it would just be a weird feeling, blah, blah, blah. Whatever reason may come into your mind that makes you go, not this time. I'll do it next time, though, okay? Whatever, whatever, whatever that is, hold that up here, okay? When we go out and we live our lives purposefully for the cause of Christ, and we live expecting that not only can we deliver the gospel to this person in a way that changes their lives completely, in those intangible ways of binding up the brokenhearted or setting free the captives or releasing from darkness the ones in prison. Okay, not in those not just in those intangible ways, but can physically be seen through miraculous events that occur because our prayers mean something. Because we're talking to God Almighty through Jesus Christ, who came down making himself a, a servant to the cross. And that's the that's the lowest form that a man can take, a servant to the cross, even unto death, he came to do that for a reason, and the reasons are endless. And one of the main ones is so that we could feel freedom, so that we could be free. Not just free to do whatever we want, but free to obey, free to be led by the Spirit, free to realize that when the Spirit tells us to do something, it doesn't have to make sense. We don't even have to think that, yeah, you know what, I can do this. I can do this because yesterday I lifted about 300 pounds and I believe that can heal somebody from being crippled. No, no, no. What we do is we realize that the Spirit of Christ that's inside of us that raised Him from the dead, that same Spirit is at, that same Spirit is at work within us and allows us to do whatever needs to be done. When the Spirit of God tells us, go and do that, we don't have to sit there and think and reason and wonder, 
Well, God, you know, I don't know what your word really says about that. It doesn't really give a specific example. <laughs> we don't have to sit there and do that. We can say, you, you got it, I'm gone. And you go and you say, hey, listen, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on inside of me, but I feel the Spirit of the Lord telling me to pray for you, and I believe that this can happen. Let's pray. Isn't there something that, that's bubbling up inside of you that, that just realizes, hey, yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool if that was a part of my, part of my normal life. What's normal now? If I, when I went out, I didn't think, yeah, 2,000 years ago, man, they sure did some awesome miracles. Or, yeah, Michelle, she was healed of cancer, you know. She wasn't my sister, but I know her. And so, yeah, miracles happen. Miracles do happen, you know. And it's not, and I think that Michelle, or anybody, would agree. You want to see these things happen. You want to see people being liberated from the devil, from the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy them, right? We want to see that because we want to see good triumph over evil. So, so what do we know? What do we know? Who's our help? Who's our encouragement? Right? We've been being trained in this church. We have been learning how to serve each other. We've been learning how to get in the Word and find truth. How to realize a lie from the enemy, from the truth of God, by using His Word to shine the light on it. Whatever is dark, whatever is bones will be spit out. We can chew up the meat. We've learned how to do that. We've learned how to love each other. We've learned how to give selflessly. We've learned how to become dependent on God even in times where it looks like we have nothing. And it doesn't make sense to the world how we keep surviving. We've learned those kind of things in this church. And there are, there are different stories scattered all throughout the room of people who went and used those things and seen people's lives being changed. Right? And these things are going to be occurring in increasing measure for the same reason that we agreed, yes, there is always more to be had in Christ Jesus. There is always higher ground. We're always advancing, right? Forcefully, okay? So, when we, when we realize that, when we realize, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I do remember, you know, the story about Nick, that Nick told us about Lindy being in the hospital for a month and how she was on life support and they put her into a medically induced coma. But, but there she is, you know, and she's having her second baby and she loves the Lord. And yeah, you know, I do remember, you know, about Matt and Cass having trouble having babies, but here they are having another one, and it's great, and their kids are great, you know, and I do remember this and that, story after story, and people being restored, and and different happy things happening to people, you know, and different things that we can realize, yeah, God's at work in our midst, and He's doing really cool things. When we begin to, to understand that it's already happening, but that it will happen in increasing measure, there is no limit to what God can do in and through us. So, I mean, I what, what time do we have here? Four after. Four after? This, I think that's a good stopping point. What, what I want you guys to come away with from this is just to understand that there is no limit to what you can do in Christ. That He's called us a certain thing, and if it didn't click tonight, find out what it is. I would say that that's one of the most important things that you can do in your life is find out who God says you are. When you do that, Nothing can touch you. I'm going to speak into your chest. Oh, there they go. Wow. Real boy. Real boy. Y'all love Nick? You appreciate him? Uh, one of the things that is really cool is I believe that when Nick goes to Walmart, he really expects something to happen. Yeah, and it's not just by milk. We talk about it all the time. Uh, would somebody read that sign back there above the door? 
I'm sorry, I couldn't understand you. (laughs) Perform out there what you have practiced in here. We say all the time that you need to be on duty. We talk about an air of expectancy. How many people in here, raise your hand if you prayed for the neighborhood behind us. You're going to love this, it's the carrot and the stick. How many of you have driven through it? Hmm. How are they going to get saved if nobody goes? Right? So while I was waiting, Pastor, for you to organize something, I was waiting for you to get a bus and feed us and show us movies and Nick to entertain us. Ministry needs to begin to occur like this. It begins by not just thinking something could happen in Walmart, but when you pull into the parking lot praying and expecting it and looking for it when you're there. When you go to get your brakes changed somewhere or your muffler put on your car, you think, hmm, I could have went anywhere, but God sent me to this place. Who's here that needs something? Somebody here may need encouragement, may need their car wash, may need something. It occurred to me when we were washing cars out there, actually they were washing, I was studying. It occurred to me that we could wash cars and not take donations. We could specifically refuse to be paid for doing what Jesus has already told us to do. How cool would that be, right? Y'all turn to Romans 15. Somebody with a loud, booming voice. Read that 14th verse. Isn't this interesting? Mm -hmm. You see right here like this? They respond well to you. I think every Sunday we could do it like Simon. 15, 14, loud girl. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, Paul said that the Roman church was full of goodness, competent, complete in knowledge, and able to instruct one another. That's interesting since he wrote them 15 chapters of correction, isn't it? In all of your learning in here, and you're comparing yourself, the young guys are funny. They said, well, uh... What did you sound like when you first started preaching? They listen to tapes. They talk, they ask what I was like when I first got married. They they can't help but compare themselves to me, and they're all better looking, and that makes them more encouraging. The the point is, is and all of the things that you're learning in here, you need to not lose sight of something. You're competent to do what God called you to do right now. Amen. I'm going to teach you, and you're going to learn more. You're going to grow more. But the Word of God, even after 15 chapters of correction to a church, says you're already competent to instruct one another. See, if God puts you in a situation, He's given you what you need for that situation. Amen. I don't want to destroy that in you. I'll slap you around when you're wrong. You know that. Last Wednesday was a good example. I expect to be slapped around by you when I'm wrong. But when we pull into a parking lot, when we walk down the street, when we go to pick up our dog from the groomer, we're not ordinary people. We're on duty for God, and we should expect the supernatural to happen. And an amazing thing happens. When you pull over with the associate pastor on the side of the road and pray and say, Lord God, where are the young men that are like we were? You walk into a store and meet one. See, when you expect it to happen, it does. Can you all say amen to that and stand up and we'll pray? Amen.